My name is John Chafee. I was trained as a pastor and this is one of the ways in which I try to do something good with that education. This is Begin Again. So if you are looking for a nuanced or interesting take on the Jesus tradition and all of its wisdom and all of its perplexity and mystery, then you found the right place. I sincerely hope that this helps you to rethink some things, to maybe grow in your own way for health and holiness, for your benefit and for the benefit of those around you. So again, welcome to Begin Again. Yeah, let's do this. So it's the end of the day for me. It's pretty much 7.30 p.m. at night, and I hope that's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for me, but I think it might affect some of uh, my tone. If my voice sounds a little tired, that's why. But um, yeah, we're just going to go right into it. I think I was excited, if that's the right word, to do this one. This one's called Holy Anger is Healthy Lament. And I thought it would be very helpful right now for all of us to have a conversation about anger. Kind of for for a few reasons. One, we have some things of which we should be angry about. But then also among us, there might be a few of us that feel as though we are incapable or not allowed to be angry. And of course, some of us maybe have been exposed to or around people that don't know how to show their anger or express it in a healthy way. And then that makes us to be afraid to show it ourselves. And maybe you have had anger used against you in inappropriate, unhealthy ways. And that should be uh, rejected, lamented, that that should not have happened. However, to do the pendulum swing and to never express anger is an overcorrection. So for me, <laughs> I wanted to do an episode about anger for a while. I've been kind of writing a few casual notes and, and looking at some passages in this New Testament about this. And I found so much that actually really helped myself and my own understanding of anger that I thought, man, uh, I usually don't like to talk about a lesson too quickly, but I feel as though this is appropriate. So I'm going to share with you some things that I've been realizing about anger even this past week. Okay, so this one's called Holy Anger is Healthy Lament. Okay, now why did I say that title? What What's the reason for that? Because a while ago I had a, a counselor, I haven't seen him in a bit, but um, Man, he did such good work with and for me. But he, he helped me to understand that anger is often, it's the first emotion that you might see in some people. Uh, of course, some people might use anger to control other people, and that's abusive. However, anger is often a cover, forget this, for loss. Think about it. Anger is one of the the five stages of grief, you know, and grief happens to do a lot with loss. And lament is another form of grief. Lament is actually in Hebrew, the opposite word 
of praise. And so actually holy anger is healthy uh, lament. Now, I wanted to talk about anger because I think we in the West have an anger problem, especially those of us that are on some form of a spiritual path. Now, for me, I think I will always be grounded in the Jesus tradition. And Jesus seemed to express holy anger in the right places. And so when my counselor helped me to understand that grief is often a cover for the experience of loss, it helped me so much to understand, oh, every time I'm angry, I'm angry at the sense of uh, an unjust loss, something that was taken away, something that was deprived, and maybe it was through the fault of no one that a loss happened, and maybe sometimes it is. But holy anger is a good thing. Okay, but hold on. What's, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> so I have, um, I want to look at a Bible verse. I want to look at something from the Sermon on the Mount. I want to listen to what the master himself, Jesus, has to say. But then I also have some uh, quotes to share with you from Brene Brown that I happen to fa- find. And uh, I would like to maybe even just go a little bit of word nerd on you, okay? And break down some things and talk about healthy cultures. Okay. So let's, let's dive in. Okay. Now you might've been a part of a a family or a workplace or even a faith community that did not know how to address or to give healthy expression to anger. Now, if you were ever someone that got angry and then you were shamed for it, you could have been shamed for it. because you expressed it in an unhealthy way and you became verbally or, or physically violent, which is really unhealthy, of course. But also, you might have been shamed for showing anger for two reasons. Either one, that community, that family, that workplace, that community may have no idea what to do with anger. They might even understand it as a sin, which we're going to talk about that. But then also... Some people mm, will actually say things to you because it makes them feel better. It alleviates their anxiety. And so it might actually be that some people told you you're not allowed to express anger because anger makes that person uncomfortable. Even if your anger was legitimate. So for someone to say, I reject and I say that you're a bad person because you're expressing anger might actually be the result of they actually deny, repress, cannot handle expressing their own emotion. Now, of course, we have to look at what the master himself has to say. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's gospel, it's his first public sermon It's understood as the greatest sermon in the West. Uh, It is understood as the high point and ethical crescendo of Jesus' own ministry and teaching. It's how he interprets the Old Testament. And for him, anger takes on a certain uh, angle. So I'm going to read it to you, but I I would like to, to break it down just for a little bit. You'll see what I mean. 
Here we go. Concerning anger. This is Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard it that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to counsel. If you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift on the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to stand guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Okay, now, as I was reading this, we're going to talk about the footnotes, but I'm going to, I would like to riff for a moment about how this verse seems to often have been misunderstood because I have actually heard pastors quote this verse wrongfully where they say, uh, if you have something against someone, go to them and settle the account before you give your offering. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says, if you know someone has something against you, you should go and be reconciled before you give your gift. But wow, wow. It's the other way. And that's why it talks about the accuser in there, which is really interesting. And of course, um, Let's back up for just a moment. Verse 22 says this. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, and then there's a footnote. The footnotes are always interesting. It says uh, some authorities or ancient scriptures, other translations, say without cause. So hold on. Rewind. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, Without cause, you will be liable to judgment. Without cause. So it's interesting because in this teaching of Jesus, he actually seems not to dissuade or to um, disown or to say that anger is bad, but he says it's, it's bad in some circumstances. Anger is not good when it's without cause. But if it has just cause, anger is very different. And there are many people that have taken certain passages in the New Testament to say anger is a sin. But I have an answer for that one. There are a few words that the New Testament uses for anger. Some are thumas, orge, and exorgizo, which are really fancy, fancy words in the ancient Corne Greek. However, uh, some of these words, yes, they do translate as anger, but they can also be wrath, ire, tantrum, rage, fury, exasperate, enrage, vex. So in some sense, uh, we've made some advancements, you could say 
at least in modern English, that we have multiple words, whereas in the ancient Greek, there's one word that means all of these things. Anger, I would like to propose, is something that we redeem in a holy and a healthy way. But maybe it's appropriate to say that rage is sinful. Maybe it's appropriate to say that uh, wrath and the wanton destruction of someone else, that is sinful. But to express anger at injustice, that's actually a good and a healthy and even a holy thing. Now, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is somebody that was a massive influence on me, at least in his writings, because he passed away before, obviously, I could get to know him. But... He talks about how humans, no, wait, no, I'm sorry. God does not have human emotions. He doesn't say that. He says, we have God-like emotions. It's just that we experience God's emotions out of proportion. We do not have, well, yes, we have God-like emotions. God emotes. God has anger. God has love. God has um, joy, you could say. But we sometimes have anger, joy at the wrong things. And so actually, we're the ones that are sometimes quite disordered in our own emoting. So I really enjoyed the idea that God is appropriately angry at things. And it's, it's us that get angry at the wrong things. And that's why I wanted to title this one, Holy Anger is Healthy Laments. God absolutely laments loss. And that leads God to have the right kind of anger. The right kind of anger in which Jesus says, if you have anger against your brother or sister without cause, that's a problem. Now, in Jesus' mindset, in Hebrew consciousness and understanding, there's this fancy word called shalom which you've heard me mention before, but let's rebuff on the definition. Just shalom could be said as hello. It could mean goodbye. It can mean harmony or even peace. But I like the definition that shalom is right relationship in every direction. And a great question is whether or not you or I have shalom with our anger is our are we rightfully attached to our anger do we fixate on it too much do we not have enough of it do we overemphasize it or do we deny repress it do we give it healthy expression or do we give it unhealthy expression and so i would like to suggest that we have a problem shaloming our anger which does not mean doing away with it. Shaloming our anger in this understanding is that we stop and recognize my anger here is without cause and I need to give this up. Or you might say, I have anger here and it does have cause even if no one else understands it. Even if other people say I don't um, have a need to be angry. And so again, 
just because someone else does not have shalom with their own anger or shalom with your anger, that does not mean that you should not pursue having shalom with your own anger for yourself. Because you need to be a healthy and a holy person, your own self. And that can actually, in some sense, be a gift to other people. So let's, let's recap for just a moment. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus seems to be talking about murder, but then he takes it a level further or deeper, and he talks about anger. And he says that anger without cause is a problem. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. In some religious contexts, anger is not allowed at all. You're supposed to come to the gathering not showing anger. And you're supposed to leave as if the service or whatever happened got rid of your anger. Well, what if you went to church for the purpose of shaloming your anger? Ooh, to get into right relationship with it. Maybe you came in with disordered anger and now it focused it on the right things. Ah, you see? What's going on there? I'm always a fan of emotionally healthy spirituality. Anyways, in some religious contexts, uh, anger is not allowed and that's not healthy. Which to me is um, obviously it's not having shalom with anger. It's not to be in right relationship with it. But... There should be appropriate anger for some things. Especially if you are someone that says you want to love the right things to the right degree. And let's say you're someone that is very uncomfortable with either other people expressing anger or yourself expressing anger. I haven't read this book, but it's by Bessel van der Kolk. K-O-L-K, and it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's been proven neurologically and psychosomatically, which means the mind-body connection, that denied or refuted or repressed anger takes its, um, it takes up home in our muscles. It takes up home in our stress. Denied and repressed anger can actually literally do heart damage to us. It can cause us to recreate new synapses or synapse connections, I'm sorry, between our brain cells, between the synapses. And so we can actually re... How do I want to say this? How we express our own emotions or not actually can affect our personality over time. Of course, you need to listen to someone who's more versed about these things than I, uh, such as Brene Brown or someone else. But this is all really, really interesting to me. And uh, this past week made me incredibly angry at a number of things. So this past week, uh, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, released a report. It was something like a three or 400 page document of an outside investigation that showed that they had essentially not just done nothing about abuse from pastors, but they actually actively worked against the victims of those pastors and silenced them and told them to go away because this 
denomination, which is the largest Protestant denomination in America. Okay. Valued the institution more than the people it was crushing. And that stoked up a lot of anger within me. And if I'm going to be uh, vulnerable or honest, I think it was the right kind of anger. Yes, there was no Southern Baptist pastor that hurt or abused me spiritually or physically or even sexually. But my God, if you love justice, that is just a trampling all over it. And if you say that you love people and that doesn't stoke some level of anger or disappointment or grief within you, then I might want to encourage you to ask if you have shalom with the themes of injustice. Yeah, sorry, I just put you on the spot, but it, it's important. We all need to stop and recognize if we are responding to the news appropriately or have we just become numb to it, which is obviously possible. But that doesn't mean that becoming numb to the news is the healthiest response. In fact, if we are ever numb to the news, that should be a clue to us that somewhere along the way, we've become disconnected from our own humanity. Oh, let me say it again. If we ever do not show anger or grief for some of the things that we might see on the news or when we hear someone else's story, that maybe should signal to us that we, are, we have become disconnected from our own humanity. In which case, you could say we're becoming less human because we're not showing the right emotions for when the image of God in other people is being trampled. Okay, but that's just Monday. On Tuesday was the largest active school shooting in a decade in Texas. A man on his 18th birthday went and bought two AR-15s. He's not even able to buy cigarettes. He's not even old enough to buy alcohol and yet was able to go buy military-grade weaponry. And that, on top of the news on Monday, just made me spiral, spiral into more frustration and fury and anger and disappointment at leadership. This time, not at religious leadership, but this time at governmental. And perhaps you felt the same way, or, or perhaps you felt numb, which I'll be honest, I felt angry for a while, and then I admit that I went numb for like 16 hours. And then I, I fortunately had a really good conversation with someone, and it helped to re-anchor me, which is absolutely needed, something that we all need to do, of course, get reacquainted with our own things. But there's a quote from uh, Martin Luther King Jr., where he talks about Modern psychology has a word for being maladjusted. When someone is not um, adjusted to society, this is someone that doesn't fit the boxes. And he actually said that in a sick society, 
he wants to be maladjusted to its sickness. He doesn't want to become adjusted to disappointment, adjusted to more pastoral abuse, to more gun shootings of elementary schools, which is absolutely horrific. Absolutely horrific. Okay? And to get angry at the wrong things or to be numb to those things should be a signal to us that we have become adjusted in the wrong way. And so I would like to present that part of having an emotionally healthy spirituality means, excuse me, being maladjusted in the right ways. It means that when all the world has compassion fatigue, you still have compassion. Try. Keep a soft heart. Keep a thick skin, but keep a soft heart. It means that when the whole world gets used to another shootings, you maintain your ability to be disappointed by it and made furious by it because this time you have cause as well because you take up the cause of those around you. Right? Now, can I share with you some quotes that I found from Brene Brown? Literally, I just looked these up online and this is what came up. Here we go. Anger is a catalyst. Holding on to it will make us exhausted and sick. Internalizing anger will take away our joy and spirit. Externalizing anger will make us less effective in our attempts to create change and forge connection. It's an emotion that we need to transform into something life-giving. Courage, love, change, compassion, justice, or sometimes anger can mask a more difficult emotion like grief regret or shame and we need to use it to dig into what we're really feeling either way anger is a powerful catalyst but a life-sucking companion in that sense anger is actually quite a gift anger is actually quite a tool not only to change the world but even to change us and as it said uh, in this quote from Brene Brown to dig beneath the surface and to really find the roots of the tree. Um, I heard it put, I'm not sure where I first heard it. Anger might be the leaves on the tree and the tree that you see, like it's what's visible. But if you follow the tree trunk underground and you examine the roots, there could be grief, regret, shame. So sometimes anger can be a tool or a lightning rod or a lightning rod for the things that we're actually feeling because maybe for us, it feels safer in some ways to express anger than it does to express grief, to experience shame, to experience regret, and to share those things with other people. Now here's a, a second quote from Brene Brown. Anger is a beautiful, necessary catalyst for change, but anger needs to ignite something. It is a terrible lifetime companion, but it is very important. It is a very important catalyst for change. When we see something that is unfair, unjust, lacks 
equity. Our response of anger is what fuels change. But to stay in it perpetually, there's a lot of physical, emotional, and spiritual costs. And uh, of course, I think it's on Rage Against the Machine's first album. They have a, a song that's kind of punk rock. And it goes quiet at one point, and then Zach De La Rocha says, anger is a gift. And then it busts into another breakdown because they're kind of uh, funk metal from an era before. Anyways, they just, that's a favorite band of mine. But um, Mark Oshiro, which I hope I'm pronouncing it somewhat correctly, wrote a book called Anger is a Gift. And it's a, it's a story about a son whose father was wrongfully shot by a policeman. And what happened was the story was that his, the father's death was interpreted by the public as if he deserved it. And the son knew that that was not true. And so had to wrestle with that anger. And there's, so here's a quote from Anger is a Gift. Anger is a gift. Remember that. And she stood, you got to grasp onto it, hold it tight and use it as ammunition. Use that anger to get things done instead of just stewing in it. And of course, that's a, another character that speaks to the main character of the book. So as I was reading all these things this past week, I eventually wrote this down. Transfigure. Your holy anger into holy action. That is how it blossoms into something beautiful. So I had to, this past week, take some of that anger and disappointment at uh, the failure to hold pastors accountable in the SBC. I had to take hold of some of that anger that I was experiencing that, my God, there was another elementary school shooting, which is, like I said before, horrific. And it just should not keep happening. So I used that anger as motivation. I stayed up super late one night writing out all these notes, but then also writing out uh, some things that I had found, such as the Dickey Amendment, D-I-C-K-E-Y Amendment from 1996, in which the NRA helped fund by giving money to certain Republicans and politicians to pass a law that actively kept funding being given to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, wait, the, the center, I forget what it is, the CDC, from doing research and studies on the connection between gun violence and mental health. And we have some graduating seniors this year. We're right at May, June. There are many people that have grown up and gone all the way through high school and are now going into college. That's one whole generation that was kept in the dark about research concerning gun violence and mental health. Now, this amendment has gone through some recent uh, upheaval. There's a lot of dialogue about it, but it's fascinating. Not many people know that the CDC actually could have been fined 
for doing research on the connection between gun violence and mental health. Now, curious question, why would the NRA fund politicians to block funding on the connection between gun violence and mental health. Meanwhile, on the news today, I've been hearing a lot of politicians talking about how it's not a gun issue, it's a mental health issue. Well, your party actively chose to block research about that topic. So maybe you should sit down. So holy anger, you see, a holy anger animated me, and that's actually something that helped to break the anger because I, I took that energy and transmuted it into doing research for this, which, of course, obviously, I'm hoping that this helps you, and I hope that this helps someone else that you maybe share this with, okay? Holy anger is a really wonderful gift if it's understood as healthy lament, but I'm pretty certain that the popular understanding of anger is that it's always bad. And anyone that gives into anger is morally bad or existentially bad, which is absolutely wrong, absolutely terrible, right? So let me say this uh, last quote, and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay, this is just a paragraph that I wrote down, and uh, hopefully it, it contributes. Many people will deny or repress anger in order to fit into the expectations of their community. This could be a family, a workplace, a faith center. Uh, however, healthy anger paradoxically, ah, I like that word, has the ability to create greater community, connection, and understanding than than, T-H-A-N, than never expressing it and allowing a community to only know the false you, but never the true you. And so imagine, what if you had a home or a workplace or a faith community, in which case you were not, there was an unspoken expectation, you're not allowed to have even healthy anger. And so what you do is you never express it, you shove it down and you present a false self. Over time, that's going to feel like it corrodes you, which is true because it is corroding your soul. That means that among your family and your workplace and your faith community, people are only getting to know the projected version of you that they already told you is the only version that they want. No wonder there's problems in America. No wonder there's problems in some communities because we're only ever presenting our false selves because we're not allowed to actually show even healthy anger. Mm. But what would happen if we took the chance to express healthy and holy anger and someone else stands up and says, Oh, me too. Thank you for saying that. I thought I was the only one. And then a third person stands up, or a fourth, fifth, sixth. And by the end of that, you've got a whole group of people that actually end up knowing each other better. Because you got to peek into the roots of someone's own heart 
You got a, a chance to peek behind the curtain. You got to see the real them. Yeah, they showed up in a suit and a tie, but you got to see what they're really about because you got to see the emotions that are connected to the values that they hold. And so you actually got to know the unspoken, unseen part of them. And that's where community and connection happens. And of course, it's hard to change the world alone with your own anger. But in expressing your anger in a healthy and holy way, what if other people rally around you and say, me too? What can we do to change this thing? And then it's no longer you against the system. It's no longer you against the family, the workplace, or the community. Now there's a bunch of you. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's 10 million. But now you have a team of people that can potentially take their holy grief that has been expressing itself as holy anger and the 10 million of you, or just 10, uh, transfigure it into holy action. And you actually work together and you actually make the world, the family, the workplace or your community an actually better place. Man, what a gift to your family, workplace or community that 10 of you stood up and said, we're angry, we've had enough of this, we're now taking this into our hands and we're going to make the change happen. Oh, you see, that's how, um, Anger is, um, how do you want to say this? Yes, I already said it's a gift, but anger in some ways can be, mm. I hope this isn't a bad analogy. The first thought that comes to my mind is a Pokemon, which is kind of funny because I never played those games. Uh, my little brother did, and uh, he told me that they were fantastic. But uh, what if, like a Pokemon, you you stumble across anger in the wild and you catch it and you take care of it until all of a sudden it transforms into something bigger, better, stronger. Something that can actually be even more impressive because when a holy anger blossoms, it blossoms into holy action and the world needs activists. The world needs people that are so deeply grounded in their own emotionally healthy spirituality that it blossoms into holy action, just like Jesus flipping the tables in the temple. We had to bring that up at some point, right? How good is that? It's nearly 39 minutes into this and boom, we only now talked about Jesus flipping the tables. <laughs> but there is a guy who grounded in his own contemplative, healthy Judaism, knew what he was about and grieved what was happening in front of him. And it, that grief took expression as anger and that anger took expression as action. And that action actually ended up helping people and it ended up being something that we then now talk about even 2,000 years later. How wild is that? So, thanks friends.
I hope this was helpful for you. I hope it at least gave you something to think about, some thoughts, you know. And uh, if you want, uh, please go to my website and send me an email about this one, okay? If you've made it this far, please just take another two minutes as soon as this is done and either send me a tweet or send me an email or find some way to contact me through my website and just tell me what you thought of this one, okay? If you have my phone number, text me, some of you do, but my goodness, um, I would love to know how this maybe has helped you, okay? So may you uh, learn to express healthy and holy anger. May you understand it as a healthy expression of grief, but may you not be trapped down by it. May you give it healthy expression and may your own holy anger mature and blossom into holy action that makes this world look a little closer to what divine love wants it to look like. Yeah. Grace and, pre Grace and peace, friends. Uh, have a lovely, lovely week.